0: The Jets were beaten down by soon to be MVP Lamar Jackson and the Ravens Thursday night. We break down the Baltimore bloodbath with longtime New York Post columnist Mike Vaccaro. We also chat with former Jets offensive lineman turned ESPN personality Damian Woody. All that and more next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Coz. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're joined today by the great Mike Vaccaro and Damian Woody. Let's get it on. Well, the Jets fell to the Ravens 42-21. They're 5-9 now in the season. I actually thought the game was going to be worse than it was. <laughs> I thought I was surprised the Jets... Offense was able to move the ball like they did in the first half. They just weren't able to score a lot of points. I mean, the Ravens are who we thought they were, like Denny Green used to say. Um, you know, they're the best team in football. Lamar Jackson's the MVP. The Jets really, I don't think, had a chance in this game. Two games left now uh, versus Steelers at the Bills. I thought, you know, the mood in the locker room was kind of, you know, eh. they, I don't think they were that upset. I think they knew what they were facing uh, in this game. Uh, you know, I think they were kind of resigned to it, to be honest with you. And they're uh you know, I, I do think there's some guys hoping the season is gonna <laughs> end quickly here with these last two games. So we'll see if they can keep fighting. I, I thought the Jets effort was was good. It was there. I, I you know they didn't roll over in this game. It was just they just were no match for the Ravens. Uh I do think there were some good things from Sam Darnold, obviously some bad things with the two turnovers. Um, you know, but we'll see how he finishes up the season. And Le'Veon Bell with a season high 87 yards was a good development for them. Um, you know, now it's just playing out the string. Uh, the Steelers and Bills have good defenses, but they're not as good as the one that the Jets saw Thursday night. I don't think, and obviously their offenses don't match what the Ravens do. Um, so you know, to me, this is this is still a key stretch for the Jets. If they can get one one of these two games, I think it'd be a positive development for them going into the offseason. I think that's the key right now, what you're looking for. Think the Jets would like to have something to feel good about entering the offseason and feel like they have some momentum as the rebuild really hits stride over, over with Joe Douglas. And I was looking at Joe Douglas last night at the game. Um, he sat right behind me actually in the press box, and obviously he spent 15 years with the Ravens and helped them you know, the the current roster, not so much, but he helped them build this team. So uh, you know, now he has to do that with the Jets and take some of the lessons he learned from Ozzie Newsome, and apply them to his new team, and we'll see if he can do that. I'd like to welcome in now Mike Vaccaro, my colleague from The Post, uh, New York Post columnist, was at the game with me in Baltimore on Thursday night. Uh, Vac, what was your, your biggest takeaway from this 42-21 to Jets loss?
1: I mean, I hate to say it, Brian, but that it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to paint a, a rosy picture where one shouldn't exist, and 42-21 is anything to be proud of. But I did think you saw some good elements. I, I, I thought they were – I thought they kind of hit the canvas early when, when Lamar Jackson got them quick, and it took them a while to get used to playing at that speed. Um, but all things considered, I mean, I think it wasn't a, it wasn't nearly the disaster that the New England game was uh, that we remember from primetime. And the Jets generally saved their most embarrassing stuff for primetime. And I, I just don't – I don't think that happened this time. I mean, I don't think anybody should be happy losing by three touchdowns, but I don't think it was necessarily nearly as bad as it could have been.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was going to be worse than that, and I thought offensively I was surprised that that they were able to do what they could do uh, in that game. And, uh, you know, at one point at the end of the first half, it felt like they might be able to keep this as a competitive game, and then they failed to convert the fourth and one, and Sam had the interception uh, just before halftime. To me, that was – the critical stretch where the game got away from them fourth and one call. I know a lot of fans weren't happy with Gase throwing the ball there uh, after the game. You know, he said that they were, they were obviously bringing a lot of players there to stop the run. So he felt he had to throw. What did you think of that call?
1: I mean, look, I, 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 I didn't have a problem with it in the moment, so I can't say that I have a problem with it thinking about it. Um, I mean, clearly he, he called a play that he thought would, 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 would convert the, the down. I mean, and I think it was right to go for it. So, I mean, I think you start there um it didn't work and so when it doesn't work it's the wrong call I mean and, and I, I think Case understands that um but uh, uh you know look I mean to me in the in, in the moment I didn't have a problem with it because in the moment I just thought he was trying to he was trying to figure out a way to get you know to, to get a good defense to to yield and uh you know it didn't work
0: yeah my you know initially I was like run the ball but then when you looked at it they, they were stacked against the run you can't run the ball there uh, if you remember last week against the Dolphins, they ran it in that situation and got stuffed. So, like you can't have it both ways. To say, like, "Oh, run the ball, run the ball," but then when it, when they it get stuffed, it's not a good call. So, and to me, um, that was pass interference on that play, and it didn't get reviewed because it was inside two minutes. So, it would have had it been a booth review. And I think it, watching the their, on TV, uh, I thought Aikman and Buck said said it was pass interference, and so uh, the Jets kind of uh, did not get the benefit there like they did last week with the referees. You wrote about Sam Arnold uh, in the post, Friday's post. What um, what did you make of his game?
1: One thing, I mean, you know, I continue to be impressed by how he shoulders responsibility at the end of these games. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, You know, look, I mean, I know it's easy to say my fault, my bad, but it's not that easy to do. And I think, look, I, I think one of the problems, and I wrote about this, you know, he's, he was already o- always going to have over, the, you know, over one of his shoulders the specter of Joe Namath. And now he's forever going to have the specter of Lamar Jackson because he was a guy who was picked 29 selections after him in the draft. So, uh, you know, both, both of those specters were on display last night. And that's not easy, you know. And Jackson is a great player, but he's also in a perfect situation, a lot more perfect situation than Sam is, which isn't to say that, you know, you, you're excusing everything that Sam does wrong. It was still a bad interception. He owned up to it as a bad fumble. He owned up to it, um, but uh, you know it's 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 going to take more time for Sam just because he's not in a ready-made in a, in a ready-made position to succeed the way Lamar Jackson was. I mean, and that's not to take anything away from Lamar Jackson. He's risen to that occasion spectacularly. But uh, you know, it's it, it last night to me is an especially tough night for a guy like Sam because he's forever his entire career now is going to be compared to the guys he was drafted with. And obviously Jackson is the class of that class right now.
0: Yeah. And I think Jackson has a really good team around him too. I mean, he's great. He, he was unbelievable. Is he in person, but he's got a really good team around him. they got good receivers, a good line. You look at what Sam is playing with right now. He's got three backup offensive linemen in front of him. Uh, were you familiar with Jeff Smith's work before last night back? Did you you have him on your fantasy team?
1: I I do believe the Jets might lead the league in Smiths, or at least they did.
0: <laughs> they 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 also they led the league in Williams before they traded Leonard. So uh, yeah, now <laughs> Jeff Smith, Vincent Smith, uh, you know they've got a bunch of guys that you know really shouldn't be having as big a role as they have right now with this team. And they were missing last night, missing Ryan. I think Ryan Griffin. The loss of him it was a big last night. You yeah, know, he just there were some downs where it's like. You know, third and seven. It's like you'd really like a tight end to just be able to, you know, run ten yards down the field, turn around, and catch the ball right here. And the Jets don't have that guy out there right now. They have Daniel Brown and Trayvon Wesco, who are not really receiving tight ends.
1: You know, it's something that you know I I think also is you know, you got to give Darnold at least a little bit of credit for the rise of Griffin. <laughs> you know, he kind of made him, you know, he kind of made him into a, into a, an, an invaluable part of the team, got him a contract and now he's missing him. You know I mean? There's, that's not something that you gonna get a lot of credit for. Cause it kind of gets forgotten in the, in the, in the greater picture of the season. But, you know, even, the, even Sam's like positives sometimes get neutralized just because of bad fortune or bad luck.
0: Yep. Um, Le'Veon Bell, eighty-seven yards last night. Uh, that was that's his best outing with the Jets. What, um, you know, what what kind of positive can you take away from that of getting Le'Veon going a little bit after he had a rough week with the flu and going bowling and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, he's such an important part to where the Jets are right now, and I think as, as important as anything, it's it's good to see. I think anyway, uh, he's feeling more comfortable. Giving him calling his number more. I mean, if this is going to be a marriage that goes on beyond week seventeen this year, and you're going to have him on your team, you better use him. That's the reason why you have him. And I know there's all kinds of questions as to as to how much Gates really did in fact want him. But look, as long as as long as Mr. Offense has a guy with this diverse skill set on his team, he's got to figure out. That's on him. He's got to figure out a way to get him more involved. And uh, you know that I think is is, is encouraging. Uh, but uh, it's it, you know I, I think we'd like to see more of that the next couple of weeks. I know the games don't really mean a lot in terms of the, you know the actual stuff you want things to mean about in December, but uh, you know that's certainly one aspect that I think is going to be important to see is is uh, is it, how does Gase utilize him and and going forward what that will mean for next year.
0: You know what's funny about the whole Bell story is like and you just said like Gase has, needs to figure out ways to use him and I've written stuff like that. I actually looked it up the other day and going into Thursday's game. So I don't have this, you know, obviously the stats aren't updated, but entering Thursday's game, uh, among running backs in the NFL, Le'Veon Bell was eighth in the NFL in touches. I think we act like he's 35th in touches in the NFL. He's eighth. And the guys above him are like Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, like guys who are averaging crazy numbers. Um, So like, I do think we've kind of missed the boat on this, like, Bell isn't getting any touches thing because there's been two games where like he didn't with Cincinnati and Jacksonville. I thought he should have, you know, he should have got the ball more in Jacksonville and Cincinnati was a weird game, but really it hasn't been the number of touches. It's just, it hasn't worked for whatever reason, whether that's Gase, whether that's Bell, whether it's the offensive line. And I thought Thursday was a positive that, you know, he was getting going and he might've benefited honestly from having the week off with the flu because, uh, he just looks fresh to me. He was, he was hitting the holes a lot harder than he had, uh, in, in the last month when he was dealing with uh knee injury and rib injuries.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. And I also wonder if the, uh, you know, it's not an easier narrative to push that bills, not getting touches as opposed to bills, not playing very well. And, you know, you can fall that into the umbrella of, you know, one more reason to just take a, take, take a side swipe at Adam Gates.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we know that's, that's a cottage industry right now. So, um, you just touched on bell in the last two years. what else over these last two games um do you, do you think you 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 know you you want to see that could be a positive going into 2020
1: well i mean look i mean I, I hate to focus everything on the quarterback but it's it's really all about the quarterback isn't it i mean he is he is you know they, they want him to be their franchise guy and i think that look and and, and it it is a little unfair because he doesn't have you know, forget not having the weapons that Lamar Jackson has. He doesn't have the weapons that Sam Darnold had five, six, seven weeks ago, and that makes it harder. You know, it does. It, it, and you know, it, it, we we can talk all we want about his decisions and so forth, but and I think he took the he absolutely took the bullet on his interception, which was an ill-timed interception. But you know, we all saw that, and we all had the same question: Well, is that really Sam's fault, or is it the receiver's fault? Is that you know, we, we, we can always break down every interception. You know that you know whose fault really is, is it really? Um, but I really do think going forward, look, I don't think that, you know, you know, I think both the teams they're facing have good defenses. I don't think either one of them has the kind that really should spook him. So, look, I mean, I hate to say that the quarterback's results <clears throat> are independent of the teams, but regardless of whether the Jets win or lose these next two games, I'd really like to see him emerge from where all, all across the summer you're talking about Sam taking that next step next year. And I think that's the important thing. You know, we really should be talking about the positive possibilities of the quarterback uh, and not the negative connotations of everything else if it's going to be anything remotely successful coming out of this season to me.
0: Vaka, I watched a lot of bad football in the last few years covering the Jets. You, you get, You get to see the Jets and the Giants. You get the added bonus. Just, like, how grim just is this football landscape over these last three, four years in New York?
1: Well, it's depressing because look, I mean, you, you remember what it was like in the early part of the decade. I mean, we really, I, I, we'd really become a football town. You know, Rex Ryan had revitalized the Jets; they'd gotten back-to-back AFC title game. So, Jets fans had their stuff to be happy about, and in between, the Giants won a won a championship, and and, and so obviously they had their stuff to 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 shout about. And um, when, when when football is down in the city, Brian, I mean, it's it's a long time from whenever the Mets and the Yankees were eliminated. To whenever spring training starts. And look, you know, it's not just football's fault because basketball has been pretty grim, also, and the Knicks are every bit as depressing as the Jets and the Giants are. But, you know, if you have at least one football team to kind of, you know, have, you know, a large part of your fan base to galvanize around, I mean, you know, it's so cold this time of year. It's so dark. It feels like it gets to be pitch black at three o'clock. I mean, that's what was extra depressing this week is that, you know, I was at the ballparks early for the Giants game on Monday, the Jets game on Thursday. And it's just, you look around, it's 4.30, it's dark, it's raining, it's miserable, it's cold. And you're like, at least if it was an important game, you know, it wouldn't feel so, so grim and so depressing. And for both teams to be, to, to reside in the same area, it's, it's, it, it's a very sad status.
0: All right, Vac. Well, thanks for joining us and I'll see you soon. I think, down the road and probably the uh, Pittsburgh game maybe, or, the, or maybe in Buffalo, Are you making the trip to Buffalo again this season? You
1: know in, you know what? I'm opting for the Fiesta Bowl, which, uh, you know, we can make all kinds of jokes about opting for Phoenix over
0: Buffalo. Oh, well, who, <laughs> the Fiesta Bowl. Jets, Bills, you're going. Wait a second, you're taking Arizona over Buffalo, and uh, you're a Bonaventure man. That's not right.
1: Bodies are playing middle, ten- middle Tennessee State that weekend. Really, no motivation to go to the uh, Western New York uh, tundra.
0: <laughs> All right, Mac. Well, maybe I'll see you next year.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Brian.
0: Want to welcome in now Damian Woody, now an ESPN analyst, played for the Jets from. 2008 to 2010 was a key piece of those uh, AFC Championship game teams. Uh, key offensive lineman at right tackle next to Brandon Moore, and was the best offensive line in football for a while. And he was a big part of it. Damien, I really appreciate you joining us. I know you're busy on ESPN with Get Up and NFL Live and every show you do. What, um, just starting off, what was your your biggest takeaway from the game Thursday night?
2: that Lamar Jackson is really good.
0: <laughs> Lamar Jackson is
2: really, really good. And, uh, you know, that's what happens when, when when an organization goes all in around their, their franchise quarterbacks and, and build, you know, build a team, build an offense that's specifically suited for his skill set. And, um, you know, credit John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson for putting
0: in the work, and now it's coming to fruition, and they're going to be the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard after watching that last night. I mean, seeing him in person, I was like, the speed was just unbelievable to me seeing it live. And I think the Jets defense sort of felt the same way when they came out there. And I'm curious from your perspective. Like, I talked to some of the Jets guys this week who said, like, you can't really prepare for that speed. You just, you kind of need to see it. You, you prepared for great pass rushers, uh, you know, in a similar vein. Were there guys where it was like, you could prepare all week, but then when you got on the field, it was just a different speed against them.
2: Oh, absolutely! You know, as far as the you know, as far as the just concerned, there's no one on their roster that can simulate Lamar Jackson. So, you know, and that's and that's <clears throat> that's what it is with with all these teams that play against the Ravens. <clears throat> you go out here, you, you you know, you try to prepare the best you can, but you know, you get out there and you see and you see that game speed, and it shocks you. And the next thing you know, you're down twenty-one nothing um and that's been really the key for for the for the baltimore ravens and you know even for myself you know you you prepare against elite pass rushes, but sometimes when we get in the game you're like oh man like the film doesn't do this guy justice like this guy is really good and you gotta you know you gotta you gotta counter you gotta counteract to you know what's going on so you know football excuse me football is a game within a game so when you get out there you try you, the, the hope is you try to get adjusted um, to the speed and, and make the you know make the proper uh, proper adjustments from there.
0: yeah and I thought the defense at times adjusted, but it was just, and then he started throwing the ball over their heads <laughs> and it's funny this defense has been pretty good this year at not giving up big plays like Thursday night they gave up big plays they you know he got them he got them a, a bunch of times. Um, offensively, you know this offensive line has taken a beating this year both physically and, you know, from the media and fans in, in terms of their performance. But I thought they, the line actually had a pretty good game last night. They opened some holes for Le'Veon, and Sam was – was he was getting pressured, but it was kind of on design rollouts. He was getting pressured, not really staying in the pocket. What um, what do you make of this offensive line right now and, and the way they're playing? I think the offensive line is
2: actually, from what we saw early in the year, I think the offensive line is actually playing better. Um, and I think – some of it has to do with personnel putting, um, you know, Jonathan Harrison um, back in at center. I think that's helped the offensive line and, um, you know, Brandon Shell just kind of, you know, letting him, I know it's due to injury, but having him at right tackle and, and, and Beach him back at left tackle. I think things have, you know, slow, I wouldn't say solidified because I wouldn't want to say that about the, Jet, you know, the Jets offensive line play, but it's, I think it has gotten better since earlier in the year when they were just, you know, be to be quite honest, they were god awful earlier this year. So, um, but that's usually what happens when when, you know, when you get the same guys playing, you know, week in and week out, they tend to get better.
0: Yeah, I'll give you the word I've used: stabilized. They're not solidified; they stabilized them.
2: I, I think that's the correct that's the correct word: stabilized.
0: And you know, it's funny, like. In the summer, we we thought that offensive line didn't play together at all in the summer, you know, because of injuries, because of Khalil coming in, and we ask about it, and everyone always downplays it. Oh, it's not important. It's not important. No, no, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> offensive line, man. Like, cause I remember you guys, you know, when you had Fanica and Nick and Brick and you and Brandon, like, you guys played together, you know, pretty much 2008, 2009, and then I think Slauson replaced Fanica in 2010. But that group was together. And it was like you guys knew what each other was thinking. You could just tell it was a cohesive unit. I mean, am I right about that? Like the offensive line play? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> listen, we came together. You know, obviously, uh, uh, Fanica and myself.
2: We came, came. You know, we came in the off season, uh, two thousand eight, before the two thousand eight season. And literally, we took, we were taking every snap, every every snap together in the off season. We were hanging out together. I was off the field what people don't understand all of that makes a difference so when you get out there on the field the trust factor is there a lot of times we didn't even have to make calls we knew what each other were thinking and we just went out there and played and that's why we were so good obviously you know talent and coaching but the communication aspect was was so great you know that's why we were so good so this whole notion of you know Ryan Khalil coming in at training camp and and all these different guys you know that hadn't practiced together in the all season you know OTAs and, and training camp that it was going to magically come together that was that was nonsense it just doesn't work that way on the offensive line
0: yeah and th- this isn't a slight to Ryan Khalil who had a, a great career and I really liked in a short time I got to know him uh, with the Jets and I thought he was a good locker room guy that they were bringing in but. Jonathan Harrison is a popular guy <laughs> with the Jets and he's a popular guy in that offensive line room and I think I think some of the linemen were a little bit upset that like they that the front office brought Khalil in and did that to Jonathan after he had worked all spring as the starter and it looked like he was going to be the guy and then they kind of pulled the rug out from under him and I thought it, it it hurt the chemistry a little bit and set them back it was a mistake by them I understand why they did it they thought they were upgrading but I think they miscalculated that one
2: I mean, think about this, you've been working together, you've been you know busting your tail you know in the off season um, you you know he played he started you know games the, the the season prior, you know really worked his behind off in the off season and try to you know get stronger and get ready for a season where in his mind he was thinking'm okay, I'm going into the season as a starter, and then all of a sudden in training camp, oh yeah we're getting we're bringing a guy in out of retirement who was retired that's going to be the, the starter at, at center. So I can only imagine the mindset of, you know, Jonathan Harrison and, and some of those other guys on the offensive line. But it seemed like those guys were, you know, those guys were pros and they rolled along with it. And, and basically, uh, you know, everything just, you know, in those situations you got to let it just play out. And it it kind of played out exactly what I thought it was going to happen. It's hard to come in when you're retired. You, you know, Bill Parcells used to say, once you, once you got the thought of retirement, you're done. You're done, and um,
0: and it proves itself true. Was there ever any time you thought about coming back to play after you retired? Um, yeah. Like uh, my 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 first year, the
2: uh, after you know we had the lockout, and I had tw- I had a tw- yeah I had a twenty Achilles, and there were thoughts you know I had thoughts in my head like. You know what? Let me let me rehab this thing and, and see if I can uh, maybe I can give it a go, and you know, just through the process. I'm like, man, I don't want to go through all this stuff anymore. I don't want to I don't want to do the meetings and because a lot of times what happens is guys retire for a couple reasons: one, age; two, injury; three, they're just tired of all the nonsense, as I call it, of of the da- of the daily grind. The meetings where really they – it's two hours. I mean, it's six hours when it really should be two hours. And you just get tired of that type of stuff. So when it was all said and done, I said, you know what? It's time for me to hang it up because I just can't do
0: it anymore. You see it all the time with guys. It's just – I think the, they 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 miss the games, but they don't miss everything else that goes with being a football player when they retire. When you um when you look at Le'Veon Bell this year, Damien, he had his best game on Thursday night. What, what, where do you put your finger on where it struggled? Has it been the line? Has it been him? Has it been Adam Gase? Where, where do you put most of the blame for him not having the year we thought he might have with the Jets?
2: Well, I think, uh, I think there's, there's blame all the way around. Obviously, the line, you know, your running back is only going to be as good as the line, basically. So, you know, that's number one. Number two, I think, um, um, you know, maybe Le'Veon taking the year off, you know, you know, might have, you know, Done him in more than what a lot of people a lot of people expected. And then number three, I think you gotta go with Adam Gates. Listen, you knew like regardless if you if you feel like you wanted the player or not, the player was on the team. And he's a unique talent, one of the best running backs in the national football league. It's your job as a coach to understand the player's strengths and utilize those strengths. And I think that's where Adam Gates failed. This whole year, I mean, this is a guy that honestly could play wide receiver, like he's that good of a receiving threat. And it doesn't seem like they, you know, he utilizes that aspect of Le'Veon Bell's game. Um, so you you know his running style, you know his ability to catch the football, but you're not utilizing that to the best of your, you know, to the to the best ability of the um for the detriment of the team. And uh, I think that's that was poor on his part.
0: Yeah, you know I, I think could be key for Le'Veon uh, you know, if he's back next year, which I, I still think – I think it's 50-50 he's back. I, I just don't know who's going to want to trade for him. That contract. Yeah, and the, con- yeah and, and the Jets would have to eat a lot of money. They're probably not going to get a really good pick, so would the Jets do it? They, like we talk about all the time, like weapons for Sam Darnold. I think weapons for Le'Veon Bell is is something too because if you watch like last night, they tried throwing the ball at him out of the backfield a few times. And the Ravens doubled him. Like they had Earl Thomas coming down hard on him. And, you know, why? Well, because on the other side is Jeff Smith and Vincent Smith and another guy named Smith. Uh, you know, like, like they, they don't have a lot of guys that you're like, you're worried about. When you're, if you're, so if I'm the defensive coordinator, I'm like, yeah, we're going to cover 26 and we're going to cover 11. And anyone else catches the ball? we can live with it. Like, it's not that hard. Like, you don't have to be Bill, Bill Belichick to figure that out. So, I think he could really benefit if the Jets can figure out a way, obviously, to improve the offensive line, and then also even some receivers just to take some of the heat off of him offensively.
2: Yeah, listen, uh, you know, we can we can talk ad nauseum about the offensive line. The offensive line is what it is. And, you know, I think everyone totally expects Joe Douglas to make that the number one priority uh, for the Jets. You know, but I think another key is, you know, a lot of people have – I know I did I had a lot of uh I had high expectations for Chris Herndon coming into the year and unfortunately the suspension and then you know when he does come back he's injured now for the year so you know I was thinking you know outside of outside of Le'Veon, to me that was he was going to be the, the biggest threat you know biggest playmaker on offense and you know his sophomore season is a watch so you know it's just been it's just been Disappointment all the way around for the Jets offense.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about something more more uh a happier topic. Uh I've had a few guys on from I've had a few guys on recently from your teams from oh nine and ten. Sanchez was on uh recently, Rex was on recently and I I've asked them this about, you know, when you look back at those runs in two thousand nine and two thousand ten, what what's the best memory for you that stands out when you when you reflect on those times? Oh man. I mean
2: I mean, first and foremost, man, we had a great group of guys in the in the locker room. We really did I think that's really the that's really the key for for any like uh, good team that you know that that's able to make those type of runs you you got to have the the right locker room. We had the right guys in the locker room, veteran guys who knew how to be pros and practiced and did things the right way and then obviously we had Rex and you know Rex'. Is, Rex never viewed himself as like the head coach. He always viewed himself as one of the guys and he just uh he just knew how to press the right buttons and motivate guys and you know, get the most out of guys and it, it was a fun time, man. There were there were plenty of games, you know. I always point to obviously the New England game and the playoffs was you know, was fun. Um the, the San Diego playoff game on the road was, was fun. Um man, we had a lot of really good games that I could point back to, like, man, we had a hell of a time during that stretch in uh, Jets history.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I, I tell people this sometimes. It's hard to explain, really, you know, like the feel of a locker room. But, like, your group of guys was pretty much together from 2008 to, like, 2012-ish, like 11, 12. You know, guys guys got peeled off as it went along, and that's what kind of hurt things. But, like, there was a core group that was really there. 2008 to 2010, definitely the core group was there. And then they started kind of – they let Jericho go. You went. Tony Richardson went. And things started to come apart. But, like, that was, like, a, a group that was together for a few years. The Jets haven't had that since. Like, I feel like every year I look around the room and there's, like, 30 new guys in the room. And there's very few guys where I'm like, you know what? This guy's going to be here a long time. <laughs> it feels like guys are jets for two years and then they're gone. Like they, they just have to figure out a way to get some stability in this organization and and a, and a core group of guys going.
2: Well, listen, I'll, I'm a big you know I'm a big believer in culture. You know, like Baltimore has a culture, New England has a culture, and the reason that they have a culture is obviously it starts at the top. Um, you know, w- with a lot of these successful organizations, but then they have players that are part of that culture for years, and then those players, then those players show younger guys who come into the organization how it's done, and it just keeps repeating itself. And that's the problem with the Jets, like you talked about. You know that short that window in 08 to, to 2010, 2010 through 2012, there was a core group of guys um, in the in the locker room, and it's it's not a coincidence that that's been the best success that the Jets have had in a very long time um, during that period of time, and they need to you know identify guys who are going to be with this organization for a long time, you know. And when you hear noise about you know obviously you know tra- you know possibly trading Le'Veon Bell, possibly trading Jamal Adams, and it's just you know I understand you know the logic behind it because. The roster is so depleted that sometimes you got to, you know, you got to trade away good players to, to get more picks to replenish the roster. But in the same token, you're thinking in your mind, like, how can you establish a culture when you got to give up good players? And um, so that's the – that's kind of the conundrum that the Jets are in right now.
0: That's a good word. It's a conundrum. <laughs> well, Damien, I really appreciate you joining, joining me this morning to talk some Jets. You can catch Damian on ESPN, uh, all the shows, NFL Live, Get Up, uh, Sports Center. He's on all of them. Follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow on Twitter at Damian Woody. He does not hold back uh, on Twitter at all. I do not with, hold with his, back. <laughs> with his critiques, and, and I love it when you when you take to the videos. You have, you do your videos uh, when you're really fired up. So, Damian, I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and I, I hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for
2: having me on, Brian.
0: That will do it for this episode of Gangs All Here, our New York Jets football podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for always making it happen. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms for the best Jets content. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back next Thursday to preview the Jets matchup with the Steelers. See you next week.